Well, hi, everybody. My name is Caleb. It's a privilege to be with you uh, here present in this room. Those of you in Brighton and Grozeal and watching online, it's always a joy to be here with you. I get to come every once in a while, and uh, I love it. I love this church. I love your pastors, Pastor Brad, my good buddy Pete, and I know that Pete has been teaching here recently, and we are in the middle of the series, and I'm going to continue that series. We are going to talk about what it means or what you do when life takes a detour. Can anybody relate to life taking a little bit of a detour at times? Uh, I think that that's all of us. Or you're really young and you haven't felt it yet. But you will, you will. And some of us, some of us, you know, we want a little bit of the levity. We want to be able to relate. But if we're honest, detour doesn't quite tap into where we are. Detour doesn't quite get at the pain that we're feeling, at the struggle that's real. It doesn't quite do justice to what we have seen, what we have gone through. And I'm gonna to talk to you today. So this is gonna to relate to everybody, but at the end, I believe that there are people here and people watching that really need the hope when we've gone way past detour. Let me tell you just a little bit first about me in the sense that, in a very real way, I don't go anywhere without GPS. In my hometown, I need Siri to tell me what to do. I, I, if it's the grocery store, if it's Henry's soccer practice, if it's Jack's swim, I put on the GPS. I, I kind of know, I mean, I, we live in the desert, Phoenix, Arizona, and everything's kind of laid out in a grid, so it's fairly simple, and yet, I get lost going home sometimes. My mind drifts, that's, you know, maybe I'm listening to a book on, you know, Audible or a podcast or something like that, and all of a sudden I'll miss a turn, or I'll get confused about, is, wait, wait, no, 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 is, that, is it this street, is it that street? And it happens all the time. So I, Siri is my personal assistant, and she just tells me where, where to go, and I trust her and I do it. I need that. I have another friend named Rick. He's not so dependent on his phone. He lives in the Pacific Northwest, and he is a good friend, and I've learned something really valuable from Rick. Rick is frustrating to drive with because he gets lost all the time, and he doesn't plug it into his phone. He just drives. And I've been in the car with Rick when we were going somewhere with a little bit of a sense of urgency, and he missed it. He missed it badly, and we're off. It's one of those misses where you can't, it's not a quick fix. It's like a big roundabout, circle back, find our way, and we're six, seven minutes late. But you know what Rick does? There were a couple other people in the car, and someone in the back is like, hey, Rick, you missed the turn. Hey, Rick, we're gonna be late. Rick, this isn't the way. And after this person in the back had made a couple of comments about how Rick was messing up our day, Rick's response is, oh, you know what, you were right. But you know what the good thing is? It's better this way. It's better this way that I'm driving you. Because, he, he continues, because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to see that house. But. But if we wouldn't, if we would have made the turn back there, we wouldn't have been able to see that guy jogging. We wouldn't have had these extra six minutes lost, as you say, 
to build our friendship and relationship. That's Rick. And I, I, I think he says it a lot because he gets lost a lot and because most people get irritable, but not Rick. Rick has this perspective that it's better this way. All right, tuck that away. It's better this way. We'll come back to it, but I wanna take you to a story that you probably don't think much about. We're just coming out of the Christmas season, right? And everybody that lives in this country has heard of the Christmas story in some way, shape, or form. And whether you came to a, one of these awesome Christmas services here or not, you know the gist. But did you know that shortly after the miracle in the manger, there was a massive detour? Did you know that just after the Savior of the world, the God of the universe, came through the birth canal in all of his glory, and all of the mess, surrounded by livestock, animals, and all of their smells, all of the discomfort that goes with that, in, in the middle of the messy manger, there was a miracle. And we know that part of the story. But shortly thereafter, God appears to dad, to Joe, in a dream and says, Joe, you can't go back home. You've got to go south. You've got to go a different direction because this child's life is in danger. Let me read it to you from Matthew chapter two. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. When they had gone, that's referring to the wise men or the kings that had come to worship this child, this baby. It was a little bit, a little while after he'd been born that they finally made their way to him. And when they did, King Herod was, was so afraid, he was so threatened that he decided he was gonna kill all of the children in the area. So that's, that's when they had come. They had just left. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. A couple of things. That was written by a guy named Hosea, a famous prophet, 700 years before Joseph is leading Mary and Jesus into Egypt, 700 years before. So there's a little bit of a bigger story going on here. But that's not what it feels like when you've just endured a really awkward scenario where you've had your first child and you've put your wife in this trough with animals. I mean, like, no points on the husband scale for Joe. But then this miracle and the star, and these shepherds, and these wise men, and these gifts, and so you get a glimpse of glory. You get a peak of the mountaintop. You get a little bit of hope that maybe the miracle is real, that maybe there's something special here, that maybe there's something special for me, for us. Maybe God hasn't forgotten us. He, he didn't lead us into this messy place by accident, 
There's a miracle here. Look, he's given us this child. He's redeeming all this awkwardness that we've just suffered. All right, and they start to get excited, and then just like that. Okay, bad news. We gotta take a detour. We're going to Egypt. And Egypt had a similar connotation then as it does now. It's out there. It's a ways. It took them at least three days to get there. And they were there for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Be honest with yourself. What kind of things go through your mind when life is detoured for multiple years? You start having questions. You start having doubts. You start wondering if you had it right or if God's forgotten you or if you messed it up or if you missed the turn, is it your fault? Is this ever gonna get back on track? Are these finances gonna work out? Is she gonna come around? Is this gonna get fixed? Over three years, they are in Egypt. After the mountaintop, after the miracle, probably questioning the same way that you and I question in real life. Has God forgotten us? Will this get better? Where do we go from here? Notice also that it said, he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night. There's something about it when other people are, sleep, are sleeping. Some of us are waking up. Some of us are waking up to hope that maybe there's a bigger story going on here, that maybe I'm not alone, that maybe I haven't been forgotten, that maybe, maybe this is going to turn out for good somehow. And there's a spark, and there's a hope, and there's a glimmer, and there's a twinkle, and there's a maybe. Because someone said the right thing to us and reminded us when we were in a dark night, when we were in a difficult spot, and God sent that little whisper, that little word to say, you are not forgotten. It's just a detour. It's just a detour. It's part of the bigger story. You feel like you're way out in Egypt, and maybe you are, but it's temporary. It's gonna come back around. Psalm 32, verse eight says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. The best pathway for your life might not be a straight line from A to B up and to the right, like you and I would prefer. Sometimes it's one of those crazy straw kind of pathways that God leads us on. But he's saying, I see a bigger story. I am gonna lead you on the best pathway for your life because I am getting you to where I know that you need to be based on who I know that you are. And this detour is part of it. So what do we do? How do we live in the detour. For one thing, we need to make a mind shift, a heart shift, away from just looking for those mountaintop miracles, those manger miracles, you know what I mean? Like when you were a kid and you went to camp and you're, the, the, the tangible presence of God, maybe you felt it in that way and you were like, this is it. 
And then here you are years later and you're, you're like, is God even real? Or that experience that you had when there was so much hope and then everything just took a hard left turn. We've got to shift from, this is part of maturity, this is part of where God's leading you, a shift from the mountaintop miracles and the manger miracles to moment by moment miracles. Learning to see the miracle of the present moment. That believe it or not, even in Egypt, the God of the universe is with you. That is the miracle. You are living a miracle. The fact that you are alive right now is a miracle. The fact that you are breathing and you did not invent your lungs is a miracle. That you are here, that God orchestrated everything, that you would be here in this place tonight or watching online in this moment. Some kind of whisper that just you needed is a miracle all of the time. This is life. We don't live in the past. We don't live in the future. The only place you can encounter the future is in your head. Did you know that? Otherwise, it's just right now. It's only right now, ever. It's only ever right now. The past is some story that we revise. The future is some imaginative thing in our head. This is the moment. This is the miracle. The detour is in your mind because the God of the universe is with you right now and anything is possible. So how, a little bit more precisely, we're gonna keep drilling down on this, how and what does it look like to continue to move forward in hope and in peace and connected to this God, even in the middle of a detour when things feel like they're way off track? One thing is to keep the promise in the peripheral and to keep your focus on the present. You know what I mean? Keep the promise in the peripheral and keep the focus on the present. Because what do so many people do? They have in mind how things should go. And so they obsess about that. And when things don't go how they think things should go, they freak out. It sets them off. They get crabby and irritable and upset and difficult to be around. Because this is how things should go. Because this is how my life should be. Because I'm 30-whatever by now. I was supposed to have this. I was supposed to have that relationship. I was supposed to have that kid. I was supposed to be making this much money. I was supposed to have this or be here or whatever by now. Because we're so myopically focused on the thing that we think that we deserve and that we need in our timetable. Yeah, but God told me. This person pulled me aside at this one place and they said, God says... I had this prayer, I wrote in my journal, I knew since I was a kid I was supposed to. And we just focus and we, fo and we think it's, it's ours, it's ours, and, but I'm not yet, I'm not. Maybe it is. Maybe the dream is real, maybe the vision is real, maybe the promise is real. Maybe the, maybe the miracle in the manger is telling you something about the future, maybe so. But put that in the peripheral and focus on the present moment. What happens to people that obsess about how they think their lives should go? 
they're never grateful when they get there. They just want the next thing, the next obsession, the next thing that they feel like they're entitled to. And they're never grateful when they get anywhere. It's never good enough. But when you enjoy this God-given moment, that you are alive and breathing, that you are with the person that's next to you, that you have clothes on your back, that you get to come and be free and worship God freely in a place like this, that you can afford to put on enough clothes to endure the cold Michigan temperatures. God's gifting to you this moment. If you put the promise in the peripheral and you focus on the present moment, you're gonna enjoy the whole journey. If you obsess about where you think that you're going and where you should be by now because you think that your timing is right, you're gonna be miserable along the way. And even when good things happen and you get to different levels, you're not gonna be able to enjoy them anyway. So what do you do in a, when you feel like you're in a detour? You don't write off your hopes and your dreams or the promises, but you just put them in the peripheral. It's out there, it's out there. I trust you with that, God. And I'm gonna make the most of this moment. I'm gonna make the most of this day. I'm gonna serve this person in front of me. I'm gonna take care of this family member. I'm gonna solve this problem. I'm gonna do what you give me to do today. Now, I wanna tell you a different Egypt story because as I mentioned at the beginning, some of us are in a little bit more than a detour. Some of us are a little bit more desperate. Our stories, our situations, our circumstances involve a little bit more angst. We're feeling it right now. And detour doesn't quite describe where we feel like we are. Some generations prior, there's another story about Egypt when God sends this guy Moses to go and to set his people free. That the Jews have been enslaved in Egypt for some 400 years, and now God is saying, I hear you, it's time. And Moses, you're gonna be the guy. So there's this series of extraordinary events, plagues that are hitting as Moses is trying to convince his brother, guy he had grown up with, the Pharaoh, to let his people go. It's time, it's time, let my people go. Set these people free. The plagues hit, finally Pharaoh relents, and the Israelites, they march out. They march out of Egypt toward their promised land. The promise that we've been whispering about, telling our children for all these hundreds of years, we're headed there, out there, we're finally going. And Moses is leading this amoeba of mass humanity somewhere around a million people. Some say less, some say two, three million. Somewhere around a million people leading them to this promised land, but they come to a body of water. They come to an impasse called the Red Sea. And everyone's like, what gives? How are we supposed to get to the promised land that's over there when there's this huge body of water in between, we're hemmed in on both sides by mountains, and then they hear a noise. 
they turn back and they realize that the entire Egyptian army is on their heels because Pharaoh has changed his mind and he is irate, he wants blood, and he is either gonna annihilate these people or bring them back into slavery. And here they come, the strongest army that they know in the known world, coming just down their necks. And the people, as you'd expect, freak out. Why would God bring us out here to die? Were there not enough graves back in Egypt? We could have we died back there. Why would he bring us out here to die? And in Exodus chapter 14, it says this, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. What do you do when you can't go forward and you can't go back? When there's no, you can't discern, like, what am I supposed, where do I go from here? Like, talk about a detour. I'm pinched. I am stuck. I don't know how to go forward, and I certainly can't go back. They're breathing down our necks. They're coming to kill us. My story, my history, my whatever, haunting. No one's going that way, and I don't know how to go this way. Now what? Moses says, don't be afraid. Watch the Lord today. Just stay calm. What do you do when there's nothing to do? What do you do when your, de your detour is so desperate that there's no way forward, there's no way backwards? Don't be afraid. Watch for God today, this moment. Look for the miracle because we need it now. Watch for it, wait for it. And just stay calm. Because you can't do it. Look for God to do the miracle that he intends to do. I do some coaching. And uh, earlier in my career, I was following around this speaker coach guy, one of my mentors named Eric Bowles. And he let me tag along with him when he was going into this one medium to large company and he was coaching their executives. And when we went in to do the pump them up leadership, kind of get them back on track, figure out what's going on, help them be whole and strong and lead people, not just you know, manage problems. When we were getting in there with their executive team, we kept hearing this one guy's name. We'll call him Russ. They kept, they kept referring to Russ. Oh, that's Russ. Oh, that's Russ. Russ has got that. Russ taught us that. Oh, you guys would love Russ. You gotta meet Russ. We're like, yes, we do need to meet Russ. Who's this Russ that's got all of you dazzled and impressed? Russ was overseeing some division of this company. 
And I got to talk with, learn from this Russ and about his story. And when we sat down with him, Russ said, oh, this is my kind of stuff. I love this stuff. Thank you for what you guys do. And we're like, Russ, we gotta tell you, man. Thank you. Like, you're famous in your own company here. How did you become this positive, optimistic, joy-filled, inspirational leader? He said, well, I haven't always been this way. I have a great mentor. He's my 12-year-old mentor. And we said, we gotta know the story. And he goes, well, the story, the story goes back to my first wife. I got married in my 20s, and I was in love. But soon after we got married, we were in a car accident, the both of us, and she was killed, and I lived. And from that point forward, for the next several years, I was angry at God. And I thought, why would you allow this? Why would you spare me and take her? Is my life cursed? What am I supposed to do now? And he said, I didn't want to love again. I didn't want to be in a relationship again. I just kind of avoided the whole subject. Until several years after that, his heart started to soften. He met somebody and he started to be hopeful that maybe. But in the back of his mind, he just, he still had those kind of dark cloud questions. Is life always going to bite me? Are bad things always going to happen to me? He gets married, but he doesn't want to have kids because of those fears. Sure enough, after a few more years, his wife talks him into children, and they have their first kid. And you know what? He tells us, kid was sick. The child didn't last very long. He wasn't long for this world, and God took the child. And Russ was devastated. Now, this is Russ, now I've lost two people. Now I've lost a child, my first wife and this child. God, you must hate me, he thought. And so he went into a dark place and he was cold to his wife and she wanted to try again for children but he didn't wanna have children and he was miserable at the office and he would just check in and he would do his work and he would do his work well but he was not a fun, easy guy to be around. But everyone understood because he'd been through trauma and pain and he was cold and closed off. After a few more years, his wife convinced him to have, to try again, and they got pregnant and they had another child. But this time, Russ kept him at arm's length. He didn't bond. There was no skin time like we do now. <laughs> no skin time, no bonding time. Was, didn't feed the kid, just let his wife handle all of it because in the back of his mind, he thought God's probably gonna take him too. I'm cursed, bad things happen to me. Better to just keep that kid away from me. I can't take any more pain. Hardened, closed off. But the kid kept growing. Got a little bit older, a little bit older. Kept asking his dad to throw the ball with him. And when the kid's around four or five years old, Russ starts to have a little bit of hope. Like maybe things have changed, the tide is turning. And Russ starts to engage. They go outside, they toss the ball. Russ coaches the soccer team. He's warming up. He's hopeful again. Totally engaged as a husband and as a dad. Productivity and morale at work somewhat improved. And then when the boy was 12 years old, it was determined that he was sick. And his second, his second son had a terminal illness. 
And as soon as Russ got the news, I get emotional because I have kids. As soon as Russ got the news, he closed off again. And he stopped talking to his son. And he stopped talking to his wife. And he went to work, punched the clock, did his job, came home, sat in his seat, got his food, took it in the other room, sat and watched sports or whatever. And that went on for some weeks, months even, boys going through treatment. One day, Russ tells us he's sitting in his chair, watching the news, eating, and he feels this heat from next to him. And it's his 12-year-old boy. And he looks over at him, and the boy says, I'm the one who's dying. I'm the one who's dying. What are you doing? You can't even be with us? His mom had tried to explain to him all the pain that he had been through, but he had just snapped, he had just lost it, and he just let his dad have it, and then he ran to his room and cried in his bed. And Russ told me that something began to happen. Something began to soften. Something clicked. Something shifted. And he realized that he was messing up. And slowly, he got himself up. He mustered up the courage to go into his son's room and hold him and cry. And he re-engaged for the last few months of his boy's life. But he told us this with a twinkle in his eye. Because he said from that day forward, he embraced his son's mantra, which was this verse from Psalm 118. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. The little boy had it on his wall, I guess, and then Russ put it everywhere. And that was his motto that was his lifeline, that was his inspiration from his 12-year-old mentor, that he would embrace the day, that he would make the most of today, that he would not choose to go dark and believe that God is against him because all of these terrible things have happened in his life, but that he would be inspired by the, the gift that God gave him in a 12-year-old mentor in his own son that would drive him forward to be able to endure that grief, to be able to continue to love his wife, and to be able to show up at work and lead and love and mentor other children and other dads. And so when we got to that company and we met Russ, it was having a ripple effect. And everybody knew the story and why. And that this man was an inspiration because of a 12-year-old mentor who simply reminds us today, this is the day. This is the day that God has made. This is the day we got. We don't know what happens tomorrow. So, so do this. Rejoice and be glad in it. Choose joy and choose gratitude. And be all the way here in this present moment. Because we don't know. We'll put the dream and the hope in the peripheral 
We'll put the promise in the peripheral, but we'll believe that that's coming. We'll continue to look for it, hope for it, all that. But we'll be focused on today, this moment, not missing the gifts of today, not missing that we get to be with this family member today, not missing that we get to participate in this thing that's impacting our community, our town, this little widget that we get to make, these people that we get to lead, these employees that you get to show up and influence on a daily basis for good. The, the business and the people that look up to you that you get to provide a livelihood for them. Children in your home that you get to groom and mentor today. Tonight, it's what we have. So we'll put the promise in the peripheral, but we'll keep our focus on this present moment. And we will choose joy and gratitude because this is life. This is it. This is the one we got. And God is with you in the miracle of this very moment. There will be mountaintops. There will be messy manger miracles. But the real miracle, maturity for us as we live and grow and try to figure out what it means to follow God in this life of twists and turns, the real miracle, the real sign of growth is finding the miracles in the moment, enjoying today, being here now, choosing joy, choosing gratitude, keeping our focus in the present. Because even when life takes its twists and turns, you can smile and you can say, that's all right, it's better this way. Who knows what, I'm, what I didn't have to go through because of this detour. It's better this way. I'm grateful that I got to meet you. I'm grateful that I got to be here. It's better this way. It's better this way. And even when life feels like it's at its darkest and most dire and devastating, we will choose joy and gratitude because this is the day. This is the day. Will you pray with me? God, we cling to that hope. We cling to that truth that all we have is this present moment. We are not gonna look back and be sad because of the past. We are not gonna look forward and obsess anxiously about the future. We are gonna live in this moment and choose joy. God, help us, strengthen us. Help us to choose joy, to choose gratitude, to make the most of today because this is the day that you have made. Encounter us in this moment. Encounter us in this day. We will look for you. We will look for you to rescue us and show us the way forward. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I just wanna let you know that if you're in one of those difficult seasons right now, I wanna invite you up here to the front when we close, and we're about to close right now. There's gonna be a prayer team that's up here that it just helps, it just matters. When, if you can have another live, real human to agree with you and be with you in the middle of your detour or of your difficult situation and just let them speak truth over you and let them pray and be with you in it, it helps.
for the rest of us, God bless you. God continue to guide you on your journey. May you enjoy each moment of it. Amen.